Well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? <laughs> Nothing says Jesus like Rihanna, huh? So anyways, if you don't know who that is, good for you. Um, anyways, hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning as we're continuing this series called Dreams, talking about the things that keep us up at night. We started this series last week. If you missed it, want to encourage you to go back, uh, watch the podcast, listen to the podcast, what, whatever you do. It, it was a great, great weekend last weekend. And we're talking about the things that are continuously on our mind. What are the things that are kind of bombarding us in life? And particularly this topic of fear is a really, really important topic because it's one of those things that I have seen fear paralyze more dreams, more goals, more destinies than probably any other thing out there on the face of this earth. And so we started last week and we asked this question. And it's a question I have for us again today is, is what is it that you're afraid of? What is it in life that you are afraid of? What is the thing that is immobilizing you in this moment? What is the thing that is taking the hope that you have, that is stealing the dreams that you have? What's robbing you of sleep night after night after night? What is the thing that's keeping you from giving your life wholly and fully to God to fulfill the purpose and the call and the plan that he has for your life? Like, what is it? And it's important that we realize what that thing is, that we discover what is that thing, because we talked about this last week, that there's, there's one particular statement that Jesus made over and over and over again to his disciples. And in fact, 15 times in just the four Gospels, Jesus made this statement because he knew that fear would be such a big deal in our lives. He said over and over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I think the reason that Jesus continuously was telling us to not be afraid was because he knew that fear was such a big paralyzer in our life. And he wanted us to know that this is something that we have got to constantly be on the lookout for. Now, what we want when we think about fear is we think, I want to have a completely fearless life. My goal is to get God to eradicate fear from my life. And my goal is, is that God would give me this life where I'd be completely fearless and the reality is, is that none of us are going to get to this point in life where we're completely fearless. And the, and the focus for all of us should be not on how do I fear less in life. The focus for all of us should be how do I trust God more with my life? How do I trust God more in my life? How do I build up my faith? Because a lot of us, we think that our fear is the problem, and our fear is never really the problem. Really, the problem that we're all facing in life is a faith problem. It's a trust issue that we have. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a fairly familiar passage of Scripture, and like most scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, a lot of people look at scripture and a lot of stories in the Bible and they think to themselves that, that these stories are all about taking risks. And while there is that aspect to these stories, there is a risk element. It's about taking risks. These stories really aren't about risk. And the story today isn't really about risk. What it's really about is obedience. Do I trust God even when I don't know what the next step is, where, where I'm supposed to go, how exactly I'm supposed to get there, what exactly I'm supposed to do? Do I trust God in the middle of that anyways? That is the real question. That is the real 
thing here. And so there's this great example in the Old Testament that we're going to be looking at today. And this is where uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel to the promised land. God has freed them from the grip of the Egyptians. He's led them out of Egypt. They've crossed over the Red Sea miraculously. They've come into the desert and they're traveling on their way to the promised land. And almost from the moment the children of Israel were free on this journey uh, to the land that God has promised, the life that God has promised they will experience and they will have, uh, they started to do one thing. And on their entire journey, the one thing that they did over and over and over again is they complained. Anybody have a similar experience? No matter what happens in life, there's this constant kind of complaint that comes out of you that, that no matter what it is, there's, there's kind of this negativity that flows. And that's exactly where the Israelites are. And so we're going to pick up this story in Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 16. If you don't, you can follow along in the worship God. If you don't have a worship God, somehow all the scriptures will be up on the screen. It says this in Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. It says, in the desert, the whole community. And so we're not like talking about one person or two people. We're talking about every single joker in their entire community. It says, grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, get this. Here God has brought them miraculously, uh, delivered them miracle after miracle after miracle. They're traveling on this journey to this promised land that God has promised them. He has shown up uh, at the Red Sea. He's shown up uh, in clouds of clouds by day and fire by night. He's given them food to eat every single day, but it's not particularly the food that they like. So they're complaining about the fact that back in the day, back when they were enslaved, they knew what they were always going to get to eat and they were always going to have some meat. They were not uh, people that were all into this vegan thing. They were all about some, some protein. And so they're like, man, I want meat. And they're complaining because, and they're looking at their situation. They're saying, God, man, I liked the way that it was. Man, I liked the way that it was in the past because I liked the past because it was predictable. I knew exactly what I was going to get. And let me tell you something. Life is always real predictable when you're a slave. Like, you know what you're going to get at every turn when you're a slave. And they're sitting there, they're complaining about the fact that they didn't like this idea of we don't know exactly where we're going. Like, we don't like the unknown. What we like is the predictable in life. And what they're saying, in essence, is, is hey, hey, God, listen, we're willing to trade this newfound uh, freedom that you've given us and we're willing to trade that back in because we don't really like journeying into the unknown. We're willing to trade that back in to go back to being slaves where we at least knew what was expected. Where we knew what we could expect day after day after day. The whole idea of this unknown place was too much for them. And a lot of times it's too much for us. And the reason the unknown is too much for us is because we forget about the faithfulness of God in our life. 
I mean, we do it all the time. They forgot about the deliverance at the Red Sea. They thought about God coming through and showing up with all the plagues. They thought they forgot about how he swallowed their, the massive, the largest army on the face of the earth at that time in an instant. They forgot all the faithfulness. They forgot about the cloud by day, the fire by night. They forgot about the food on the ground that they could collect and eat every day without having to do anything. They forgot about the promise. They forgot about all of that stuff. Forgot it. And we do the same thing. You want to know why some of you are stuck in life? Do you want to know why some of you aren't living the lives that you've intended to live, that you're living a life of, of mediocrity in life? And, and although you want a lot and you desire so much more for your life, you want to know why you're living that life? I'll tell you exactly why you're living that life. Because you choose it. You choose to live that life. And I know that that sounds a little harsh and a little like, man, that's, that's a little too straightforward, Pastor TJ, but that right there is true, isn't it? Whether you consciously or subconsciously, you've made a choice to stay in the predictable life and the patterns of your past, whether those things are helpful or harmful, you've chosen those rather than take a risk and venture into the unknown because you don't know what's going to happen there. And what happens for so many of us, our fears win out. Our fear of the unknown beats out the possibility of what could and should be for our life. And the story here that is being told to us and the thing that I'm learning more and more and more about God in my life right now is that for a lot of us, there is a big difference between being set free in life and actually living free in life. See, the children of Israel, they had just been set free of 400 years of slavery. 400 years of they knew exactly what was going to come, what was going to happen, what, what kind of beat down they were going to get that day, the predictability of their life. And they are now free of that, but they have no idea how to live free. And a lot of us in here, we've been set free by the grace and the cross of Jesus Christ. And we, we have all of this freedom in our life, but we have no idea how do we actually live in this freedom. And we all have a life that we're building. We all have this life that we want. And, and I'm going to use a little illustration today. These blocks kind of represent our life and we're building this life. And, and uh, there's different things that we're building our life around. Some of us are building our life around dating, you know, uh, the single people. Uh, hopefully they're building their life around dating, trying to find the right mate dating for the right mate. Some of us, we're, we're building our life around our marriage. Um, and so you're married, you don't really date anymore unless you're dating your mate. Um, otherwise, you don't date, but you're building your life. You're building around the companionship that you found with that other person. You're trying to, trying to build on those things. For others of us, we're building it on school, trying to get an education, trying to get a step up in this world, trying to know what we need to know. Others of us, we're building it around our kids. You know, we have the next generation. We feel responsible for that. We need to raise them up. It's one of the reasons why we do parent-child 
dedication we think is a good thing to build life around. Uh, our finances, you know, we got to make bank. Uh, we've got to be able to pay the bills. We've got to be able to stay in our homes for others of us. We're building it around relationships. We have some friends. We got to make sure that those friendships are continuing to grow and evolve and build. Others of us, we're building our life around our dreams. We have some really big dreams. We have some really big goals. We have some really big aspirations. We're building our life upon that. Some of us, we're really into health and fitness. Uh, I, I know that because I see you wearing Lululemon every time you come into church. Like your life is all built around fitness. You like want that aspect of your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be healthy. I encourage you to do that. Some of us, we're building it around our career. We think, man, if I could just get to this position in my career, then everything would be incredible. And so we look at our life, no matter where we are in this scale, no matter how we're trying to build it. And a lot of us, we look at our life and we go, you know what? That life's not too bad. I mean, it could be better, but it's, it's not bad. I mean, I, it, it could be a lot worse. Anybody ever said that about their life? Like they've looked at their life and go, man, it could be a lot worse. I, a lot of us think that way. Like in what we're event, essentially saying is, is that while it could be a lot worse, it could also be a lot better. Like the life that we're building, we settle a lot of times for the status quo or what I would call mediocrity because it's just right there in front of us. And it's not that you and I, we want mediocre lives. It's not like that we don't want to get up and we don't want to work harder because we believe that our life could be better. In fact, a lot of us, we don't settle for mediocrity because we're lazy. A lot of us, we work really, really hard in life. A lot of us don't settle for mediocrity uh, because we don't care, because we do care. We have dreams, we have goals, we have aspirations. And it's not like we don't want to see our life change. A lot of us, we want to see our life change. We want to see a different than how it currently is at the moment. We want to see it be better. But if your life feels mediocre today, and I'm going to guess that some of you guys, you feel like, man, I've just kind of got an average life right now. I've settled for mediocrity in my life. There's one reason why that would be the case, and it's this idea of fear. You've given into fear, particularly if we were to dive down a little bit deeper into that fear, it would be the fear of failure. And the reason you choose the predictable, the known, the mediocre life is because in order to move forward from this life right here, you would have to take a risk, and in taking a risk, you have the possibility of failure. And I'll explain it to you. Let me just give you an example. Um, I'll talk to people all the time that, that uh, they're married. They've been married for a while. And I'll go, hey, man, how's your marriage? And they'll go, it's all right. And I'll be like, really? It's just all right? And they'll be like, yeah, it's just all right. And I was like, do you want it to be better? And they're like, well, I mean, there's some things we can work on. But we're not like getting a divorce or anything. Nobody's serving papers. And I'm like, you know, those things, you can work on those things. Like you could go to counseling and that would probably help you out a little bit. And they'll be like, no, I don't want to go to counseling. I, I tried that 16 years ago once and it didn't work. And I'm like, so, so you would just settle for an average marriage because it might not work rather than going and doing something because you could have a better marriage. Oh, somebody's married back there, and they, they're like, my husband's settling. Okay, they're settling. Never mind. I'm going to stop this conversation now. We settle for mediocrity. We settle for just, oh, this is what it's going to be. Let's take another one. I know people that... that uh, 
Career. I know people right now, they go, they wake up every day and go, I hate my job. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I knew somebody was going to pipe in right there. Like, you hate your job. And I go, man, you hate your job. Well, why don't you go apply for a different job? And they're like, well, you know, because I might not get that job. But I'm like, well, how do you know you won't get that job if you never apply for it? Well, but I don't know. And so you settle for mediocrity or you go, you know what? If you want a better career, you could go back to school. And I realized that that would take some time to do that. But that way you would have the education to be able to do that. Yeah, I said education. That's how much I love school. So to be able to do that, and you're like, well, but if I applied for that, I might not get into this college that I want. And, and what we do is we make all these excuses because we're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what could be and what should be for our life. And we're stuck in mediocrity, and we, when we start realizing, we go, this is crazy. Because for a lot of us, we've allowed this idea that we might fail to mess with us. And I put it in your notes like this. Failure does not shape you. How you respond to failure is what shapes you. Listen, failure is one of the greatest things you could ever experience because it's going to teach you something in it if you allow it to. How you respond to when it doesn't go perfect and it doesn't go right is incredible. And some of you guys, you have this deep, deep fear towards failure. And so you'll never allow yourself to be put into a position where you even have the possibility of failure. And let me just tell you something. One of the most exciting things that you could do today is you could trust God in some area of your life that scares you to death. You can say, God, you know what? I might fail in this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust whatever you say right here, and I'm going to just go out and do it. But most of you won't. You want to know why? Because of failure. You're paralyzed by this fear in life. Now, I want to go back to the story of the Israelites and it's interesting to me that this journey that they're taking to the promised land is characterized by fear because that's not how the journey started. The whole journey of the Israelites leaving Egypt to go to the promised land was really a faith story. But somewhere along the way, that story got hijacked, and I think it got hijacked by the leader, Moses. Moses allowed his fear and his insecurity to kind of spread throughout the entire community of the Israelites. And this is something really, really important, especially for, for parents and for leaders and for uh, teachers and for any person that has influence over other people. And that's this, is that fear and courage, they are both very contagious, and so if you have a whole bunch of fear and you're speaking, talking about that fear, you know what that's going to do? That's going to spread to the people that you're communicating with. But if you have courage and you're talking out of this state of courage, you know what that does? It spreads in other people as well. And so Moses is about to spread his fear into the entire community. And so if we were to turn back in Exodus to Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 9, it says this. 
And now the Israelite, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. Let me just stop right here. Now, this is interesting because God is talking to Moses right here. And he's, he shows up in a pretty amazing way. And he gives Moses some direction in this moment. And we talked about this last week when, when the disciples were in the upper room and Jesus showed up and he said, hey, peace be with you. Like, hey, I'm bringing you peace in this moment. And then the very next thing out of Jesus' mouth was go. Like Jesus had somewhere for them, something for them to do. He wanted some action to take place in their life. And I think it's really interesting that every time God shows up in amazing ways, he's always getting us, he always wants us to move in our life. That's why he's always given us this directive of go. And right now, God's been showing up in some of your lives, and he's been telling you to go. He's been telling you to move. And the reason he's telling you to go, the reason he's telling Moses to go, the reason Jesus told the disciples to go last week is because he knows that you can't fulfill your potential and your purpose in the place that you're in. You've got to get out of the comfortable places where you find yourself and venture into the unknown and for you to experience the fullness of what God has for you, the promised land that he has for your life. And so he's, he's challenging them. He says, man, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And I think it's really interesting. God, right there, does not promise that when you go, you're going to be fearless. That isn't what God promises when he tells us to go. When he asks us to step outside of, and, and out of our comfort zones, he doesn't say you're going to have no fear in your life. What he promises is that he's going to be with us. It's important for us to know. So when we have fear, we're not like, oh, man, God's disappeared. No, 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 no. God's right there. And it says this, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. To which I'm sure Moses is like, oh, thanks, God. That clears everything up. Like, there's, there, there's not a chance that they're going to have another question because I don't even understand that statement right there. I am that I am. Well, who is that? But I look at this and I say, do you see the pattern of Moses' life here? It is a series of what ifs. What if this happens, God? What if that happens? What if they respond this way? What if they do this? What if they do that? What if they ask this? What if they ask that? And that same pattern that is in Moses' life is in a lot of our lives. In fact, some of us are dealing with it right now. We're saying to ourselves, man, what if this marriage doesn't work out? What if I don't get out of debt? What if uh, the girl that I ask out tells me she won't go out to, with me until hell freezes over? What if? What if? What if? And this is what I've learned about fear. Fear always trades in the market of our imagination. Where it does its greatest work is in our mind. Man, it's always getting us to dream up of the worst case scenario and gets us to buy into that thing. It's the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. 
And what you see, start to see here is that Moses is buying into this pattern of fear. And this fear is going to influence this entire community. If you were to skip to the next chapter, chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me or say, the Lord did not appear to you? Skip down to verse 10. He says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. You see the progression of what's happening here? At first it was a series of what if this happens and what if that happens and what if they say this and what if they say that? The second progression is, is, is what if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have the right words to say? What if I'm, I'm not equipped with the gifts and the talents that are necessary here? And by the time we get done looking at his fears, it's gone from others to personal. It's gone from the situation to it's me, it's my problem. And at any time our fears go from outside circumstances to internal things, all of a sudden our, dear, our fear is way more deeply rooted than just something that's superficial. We start to question the identity that God has created us in and who God has made us to be. And that's exactly where Moses is. He's questioning everything. And I, I can imagine God is sensing this with Moses. And I think God probably just has a conversation and, and goes, hey, Mo, dude, do you want this? Do you want to free your people? Do you want to see this happen for them? And I'm sure Moses is like, God, I, I do but I kind of thought here, I, I could just kind of stay in the routine of my comfortable life. God, I thought you would do your thing over here, and I would do my thing, and somehow they would just kind of meet up and everything would work out. But I didn't really know I was going to have to do something. And I think that's what a lot of us think. That God, you just do your thing and I'll do my thing. I don't really want to do something here. You want the results and you want the goal and you want the dream and you want something different for your life but you don't want to make any sacrifices. You don't want to go through the process that is necessary. You don't want to go through the risk of trusting God Especially when trusting God doesn't match the plans that you've come up with. And I think Moses right here, he's struggling with the reality that this isn't what he planned for his life. It just isn't. And Moses had to learn, just like you and I have to learn, that obedience is no guarantee of being spared delays in difficulties. This is huge, especially if you've been around church for any period of time. 
Because what the church has taught us is that, man, if you're obedient, you're not going to have difficulties. If you're obedient, it's going to be rainbows and butterflies and princesses and fairies. It's going to be like unicorns everywhere. That's what we've been taught. And so some of you guys, like, you started a business two weeks ago, and you're like, God, what's up? You told me to start a business, and I'm not on the S&P 500 already? What's your problem? Like, I thought I'd be a cash money millionaire right now, raining down hundreds. At church, not at a strip club, church. (laughs) Just had to identify that. God said obedient. He didn't say there wouldn't be delays and difficulties. Some of you guys are struggling in your marriage, and you went to counseling two weeks ago, and and you're showing up, and you're like, why is everything not better? You went to one counseling session. It took you 15 years to get that jacked up. You think one day is going to fix all that? There's going to be some delays. There's going to be some difficulties, but I promise you this. You stay on that track. You stay obedient, and you'll fix that junk. Here's what it all boils down to. Can you trust God's promptings over your plans? Can you trust God where he's trying to lead and guide you right now over the ideas that you have in your mind and how you thought it could be and should be and would be? Now let me help you out and show you where this fear is coming from. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says this. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. Let me just stop right there. That word cornerstone is is such a, a critical word. And anytime in construction, especially in these times, the first stone that they would lay would be the cornerstone. It would be the foundational element to the entire structure. It would determine the scope of the structure. It would determine uh, the direction of the structure. It would determine the capacity of the structure. And you would have to lay that corner. That cornerstone would have to be the right thing in order to to build that building. You wouldn't lay a small cornerstone for a multi-story building. You would have to have the right cornerstone. In the Bible, Jesus refers to himself as the cornerstone in the New Testament. He says, man, I'm the cornerstone. And so it goes, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. The idea here is that, man, when we put our reliance, when we put our trust, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're not going to be stricken with panic, which means that we're not going to be overcome and overwhelmed with fear in our life. When we make him the cornerstone. Now, here's why I bring this up and why I point it out. Because for a lot of us, the problem that we have is we think that we are the cornerstone. We think that we are the sure foundation. We think that we're holding it all together. 
And here is the greatest lie that the enemy has got us to buy into, what society has got us to buy into, what the world has got us to buy into. And the lie is this, that you are responsible for holding all of this stuff together. That you're responsible to do it. And you think, man, I am the cornerstone. I've got to hold it all together. And when you start trying to hold it all together, that's when life crushes you. Now, this week, I was, I was kind of psychoanalyzing myself. It's not something I really like to do. But I was thinking about, like, where is it that I fear the most in life? And, and so I was driving in my car while I was having this mental conversation with myself. And I realized, man, I, I fear the most in, in my car. Like, when I'm driving by myself, that's where I fear the most. Not because I'm afraid of other drivers. I will run those jokers off the road. I'm not terrified of anybody in South Florida driving. But what I've found is that when I'm in the car, most of the time, it's when I'm by myself. It's the one venue of my life where I'm not with other people or in counseling or helping somebody. It's the one time where I can let my thoughts kind of run wild and they become irrational and crazy. Anybody else have some wild and irrational and crazy thoughts, uh, particularly in the car? That causes road rage. I'm just giving you a heads up. Uh, wild, irrational, crazy thoughts in cars are not a good idea, but that's, that's where I find myself at a lot of times. And when I'm in those moments, it feels like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. It's one of the most overwhelming moments of my life. And I feel like in those moments, like, man, I've got to hold it all together. Some of you guys, that's how you feel about your marriage. Right now, your marriage is a mess. You're struggling. She's not responding. He's not communicating. And you feel like, man, if I don't do this, if I don't work all this stuff out, this whole thing is going to come crashing down. And you feel like, man, I've got to hold this all together. For others of you, maybe it's your friends right now. You've got some tension in relationships. There's, there's all this unforgiveness between relationships that you have right now. And you think, man, if I don't make all these people come together and work this stuff out, this whole social uh, structure that we kind of have of relationships here is going to fall apart. Man, I've got to hold this all together and the weight of the world is on your shoulders. For others of you, maybe it's your, your finances right now. Maybe right now your finances feel like, man, there's more money than there, or there's more month than there is money, and it's, it's pressure, it's pressure, it's pressure. And you're thinking, man, if I don't get this all figured out, and if I don't work this all out, everything in life is going to come crashing down. And man, there is, there is this weight that is there. And you feel like you're the cornerstone of this whole deal. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but there is like a guy right here in the middle of the set of boxes. Everybody see that? Everybody see it? Yeah, most of you see it. If you're over there, you might not see it. I apologize to you guys. You guys might not have 20-20 vision. But here's the deal. Do you think if I pull this guy out, this whole box structure is going to come falling down? No. Like, you guys are shaking your heads. No, but, but that's how you live your life. You think, man, if I get pulled out of this situation, oh, no, it's all going to come crashing down. I mean, this, this plastic figure, I mean, it's strong. I like, I can, it doesn't break, you know. It's got some, it's got some strength to it. But you know what? It does not hold it all together. It is not 
the cornerstone. And a lot of us, we're going through life thinking that we are the cornerstone and we want to know why we have fear and anxiety and stress. It's because we're trying to hold it all together. And listen, if, if, you pull you out of your li- if you pull you out of the situation and everything comes crumbling down, let me tell you something, you've not built your life. in a way that's following God. And your life will always come crumbling down because you were never meant to bear that weight. Because Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who holds it all together. And that is good news for those of us, myself included, who feel like, man, I've got to bear all of this weight and man, I'm going to cave in to the pressure. And so that means for some of us, that guilt that you're carrying, that's not meant to be carried by you. For others of you, it's the needs that are around you, everywhere around you. You feel like you got to carry those needs. Those needs aren't meant to be carried by you. The pain of this world that is evident everywhere we go, it's so easy to take that on. That pain is not meant to be carried by you. The fear that you have looming all around you, that fear is not meant to be carried by you. You are not responsible for holding all of this up. Your responsibility is to trust the one who holds it all up. And so if you and I, we don't fight this fear, the voice that you're supposed to have will never be heard. The influence that you're supposed to bring to other people's leadership will never be given. The, the, the potential that is in your life will never be fulfilled. The love that needs to be brought out through your compassion and through your, your life will never be given to those people. You'll be lost in worry instead of being inspired by your dreams. And listen, like you need to hear this. Whatever God has put in your heart, this is what I know, is God has a purpose and a plan for every single one of you. You're not here by accident. You're not unintentional. You're here for a reason. We need you. God needs you. The church needs you. Your family needs you. Your spouse needs you. Your business needs you. We've got to stop putting all this pressure on ourselves and we got to say, God, I'm putting my trust and my hope and my faith in you. And I'm going to venture into the unknown even though I know, might not know how it's going to look, how it's going to feel, what the experience is going to be like. But what I do know is that you hold it all together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone 
I'm so thankful, God, that, that we don't have the responsibility to hold it all together. That's not something you asked us to do, nor is it something that you want us to do. And I know that you've laid some incredible purposes and some incredible plans on people's hearts and lives here today, God. And unfortunately, fear and uncertainty has paralyzed a lot of us from living those things out. And we've taken on that weight and we've taken on that burden. And we thought, man, it's, it's on me to hold it all together. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I've been trying to hold it all together. And I've been under this intense pressure that it... That if... If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. If that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Man, I want to pray for you. I know that that's crazy pressure. Man, a lot of people's hands going up. You can slip it down after you put it up. Thank you, thank you. There's people all over the place. Here's what I believe that Jesus would say to you today. He said it in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. See, you've been trying to carry something that you weren't supposed to carry. He says, come and bring that to me. And this is his promise when you bring that to him. He says, and I will give you you rest. Some of you guys are tired and you're worn out today and, and Jesus wants to give you rest. And so Father God, I just come before you and I thank you that you are a God that, that can take the most difficult of circumstances where we feel like we have to hold it all together and we just hand you those things today, God. And, and the thing that you give us in return is rest. And God, I pray the people that feel so overwhelmed, feel so lightened in this moment, God, that your peace that surpasses understanding would, would overwhelm them because it doesn't make any sense to let go of things that you feel like you have to hold together. But God, when we give it to you, you take complete and total control because you are the cornerstone. Now, thank you that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a spirit of uh, fear power and love and a sound mind. And I pray that you would come and you would not let us live in the imagination of what if, but we would put our hope and our trust in you today. God, we thank you for what you're doing right here. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.